Good morning, and welcome to the Zoom Financial Analyst Briefing at Zoomtopia. I'd like to remind everyone this call is being recorded. And at this time, I'd like to hand it over to Tom McCallum, Head of Investor Relations. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Analyst Day meeting at Zoomtopia 2021. We appreciate everyone joining us today for this virtual session hosted on Zoom Events Technology. Let me do a few quick housekeeping items. First, our agenda. Kelly Steckelberg, Zoom CFO, will discuss Zoom now and in the future. Then we will have an update from Oded Gal, Zoom's Chief Product Officer, who will discuss some of the announcements that we're making today as we enhance our platform. Next, Graham Geddes, head of Zoom Phone and Zoom Rooms, will take a deeper dive into the product, these products. Following uh, Graham, Laura Padilla, uh, head of Channels and Business Development, will discuss our partner ecosystem strategy. She will then host a partner panel, and we are honored to have three of our key partners participate. After the chat, Eric Iwan, Zoom's founder and CEO, and Ryan Azus, our CRO, will join Kelly and Laura for a Q&A session. We have a full session, we have a full schedule that will take us all the way to 1 p.m. Pacific so that you can get out and enjoy the rest of Zoomtopia. Uh, we will be presenting non-GAAP financial metrics, so please see the reconciliation to GAAP to non-GAAP metrics in the back of the presentation, which is available on investors.zoom.us in the event section. During this webinar, we will make forward-looking statements about our market size and growth strategy, our estimated and projected costs, margins, revenue, expenditures, investments, and growth rates, our future financial performance and other future events or trends, including Zoom's expectations regarding financial and business trends, Zoom's growth strategy and business aspirations to drive evolution on multiple fronts as organizations and people reimagine work, communication, and collaboration, and Zoom being well-positioned to be successful as a platform. These statements are only predictions that are based on what we believe today and actual results may differ materially. These forward-looking statements are subject to the risks and other factors that could affect our performance and financial results, which we discuss in detail in our latest 10Q filings with the SEC. Zoom assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements we may make on today's webinar. Again, we are excited about joining forces with 5.9, but please note that we will not be addressing specific questions regarding the pending transaction at this time, as we are in the process of regulatory review. And with that, let me turn it over to Kelly. Sorry. Okay, here we go. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for joining us today. We are excited to have you here at our fully virtual analyst day, run on Zoom events for the very first time. A lot has changed since our last Zoomtopia. Collaboration and work continue to evolve. It is no longer confined to just a physical space. We are so humbled to help lead the evolution of how work gets done. We believe that as a platform, Zoom has the opportunity to be the new operating system powering individuals and organizations to thrive in the new environment. As you heard from the keynotes this morning, and Oded and Graham will echo later in this session, Zoom is creating the future now. Visionaries like Mark Andreessen see the possibilities that arise from technology reducing friction in the way we work and communicate. Employees want to work in a flexible, untethered manner, and organizations want to find and retain the best talent wherever they are. 
we are truly beginning a new era for communications and collaboration. At Zoom, we are committed to capitalizing on these secular trends in a way that delivers happiness to our customers, our employees, and our communities. Our goal is to enable customers and organizations to navigate and thrive in this new world of work. Zoom is designed for today's dynamic, hybrid environment that will ignite a new era of connection and collaboration. The Zoom platform is transforming the trajectory of communication by advancing the way we connect, share ideas, and get more done today together, regardless of location. This could have been a Zoom meeting. We've all said it, and even the New York Times agrees. With the support of Zoom, we can now accomplish more in a day than we ever could have imagined years ago. I'm sure we've all had days like this. We start our morning checking our chats and voicemails and aligning with our teams. We then find intermissions in the workday to take care of ourselves and those we love via video-enabled fitness and healthcare providers. The Zoom platform allows people to seamlessly move between work and personal life, untethered to physical location. We have heard countless stories from our customers and employees about how our technology improves productivity, inclusivity, and flexibility by reducing barriers to communication and work. By focusing on innovative, frictionless products and delivering customer happiness, Zoom has achieved incredible financial results. We have been able to attract more than 500,000 customers with more than 10 employees and retain and expand their spend with us. These factors have helped to drive our revenue by 130% CAGR over the last four years, and we expect to hit the $4 billion revenue milestone this fiscal year. This remarkable growth has come alongside disciplined spending and investing in strategic initiatives to create additional growth, resulting in strong profitability and cash flow. While we have achieved remarkable growth and brand elevation in the last few years, the market opportunity ahead is huge, and we are only in early innings. Our TAM is expected to increase to $91 billion by 2025, which is approximately 2.7 times larger than it was a couple of years ago. We are excited to have added contact center to our TAM, and we see tremendous opportunity in this space, as you can see based on announcements today and over the past few quarters. We continue to be thrilled about the opportunity to have 5.9 join as part of the Zoom platform and see significant benefits in the combined entity for both customers and shareholders. While there has been some recent volatility in our stock, we believe the terms of the deal are compelling and that there is meaningful value creation opportunity for both sets of shareholders as we drive a combined growth agenda going forward. Looking at additional global metrics like knowledge workers, conference rooms, and desk phones, we continue to see significant opportunities for our platform. We estimate our penetration rate for all products is in the range of low single digits, leaving us a large and expanding opportunity. Now, I'd like to double-click on a few parts of our business so you can better understand how it has evolved over the last few years and where we stand in the current dynamic environment and why we are well positioned for the future. 
Here's a view of our business you have likely seen before. Over the last couple of years, we grew rapidly as customers of all sizes have relied on Zoom to deliver frictionless and secure communication and collaboration. While we have driven high revenue growth across both customer cohorts, we have seen a shift as small customers have grown from contributing 20% in Q4 FY20 to 36% in the most recent quarter. Customers with fewer than 10 employees peaked in Q3 of last year, and since then, we have seen a growing portion of the business with larger customers. Based on email domains, we estimate that approximately 83% of our customers are related to business addresses. The remaining 17% are email domains that are commonly associated with personal use and have one license. Pre-COVID, the amount of personal email addresses with one license in the base was approximately 5%. One should note that some of these customer accounts might actually be businesses registering with personal email domains. We also broke apart the cohort of customers with more than 10 employees from Q2 FY22. Customers with 11 to 250 employees represented 26% of revenue, and customers with greater then 250 employees represented 38% of revenue, validating that the largest percentage of our revenue is coming from the most retentive customers. This split has been relatively steady over the past few quarters, demonstrating Zoom's ability to serve and retain customers of all sizes. We have two primary routes to market. The online channel introduces millions of free and paid customers to the power of Zoom and enables our viral growth. We see tremendous profitability and leverage from this channel. In response to the strong demand last year, we enhanced the flexibility for larger teams to self-serve in our online channel. We find that the online channel is an excellent funnel into our direct business as the majority of our large customers started in the online channel often with a single employee who became enamored with our product and advocated up the ladder. The direct business, which includes our robust and growing community of channel partners, focuses on selling into large enterprises and expanding the reach of the Zoom platform. We expect this channel to continue to gain share and gradually return to pre-pandemic levels over the coming years through a combination of acquiring new logos and expanding within our base. Now, let's take a deeper look at our online customer behavior over time. The graph on the left illustrates churn by customer's tenure and reflects the typical trend we have observed where churn peaks in the first six months after subscription, then tapers into a long tail of retention. The Q2 trends lines reflect heightened churn across early tenures. However, the older 10-year cohorts experienced churn that was lower and in line with historical levels. This aligns to our view that these customers will contribute to long-term revenue and profitability. The chart on the right breaks down the online customer by tenure across time. In the Q2 FY22 column, you can see that about 25% of our business is at the highest risk of churn as they have tenures of fewer than six months. This percentage is lower than in FY21 and FY20. Based on the historical patterns depicted in the graph on the left, 
the remaining 75% of the online business should perform at a more predictable rate. As discussed in the Q2 results, we had seen additional churn over the summer and factored that into our second half guidance. Our most recent data indicates that churn remains consistent with our assumptions. Now, let's look at the impact that our growth in the direct business is having. Looking at contract length and the billing split, you will notice that these metrics are beginning to positively trend back toward what we observed prior to the pandemic, where direct customers had a higher contribution. For example, contract length shortened in early FY21 with the large influx of customers from our online channel, but has expanded over the last several quarters, improving our retention. You can also see a positive trend in the mix of monthly and annual contract terms, which has shifted back towards a higher portion of longer commitments. We expect this trend to continue, given our focus on the upmarket. Now, let's talk about the tremendous opportunity we have ahead. A few of our strategies to continue gaining market share include focusing on the upmarket and enterprise, promoting international growth, and landing and expanding by upselling our products. Starting with the upmarket opportunity, I've been asked a lot lately about Zoom meetings penetration because isn't everybody who needs Zoom already using it? The answer is no. As you can see, looking at our penetration and progress in the G2K accounts, we continue to see significant opportunities to expand and add new logos. Year over year, the penetration rate by recurring revenue threshold continued to increase across all cohorts. Our 36% penetration rate for customers spending more than 10,000 ARR might be small in potential dollar terms, but it is a foot in the door of some of the largest companies in the world. In the $100,000 ARR threshold, the penetration rate is only 16%, signifying there are still lots of expansion opportunities ahead. This year, we added a new chart of customers spending more than $1 million in ARR. Here, we are only 5% penetrated, so there's a large opportunity to expand and upsell with the remaining 95%. We disclosed on our Q2 results that we had a total of 156 customers that spend more than $1 million in ARR with us. Interestingly, 64 of those customers are not yet in the Global 2K reflecting that many businesses not large enough to rank in the global 2K are still large enough to spend significantly with Zoom. We also see strong growth in our international markets. The 66% year-over-year growth in APAC stood out, as did our new logos and partnerships in the region. EMEA also grew at an impressive 60% year-over-year. The U.K., Japan, and Canada continue to lead in the top 10 international markets as they did last year, while Germany made gains and Italy joined the group. We have also seen strong traction in Latin America. As of Q2 FY22, approximately 33% of business was from APAC and EMEA. We believe international can eventually become approximately 50% of our business. As discussed in the Q2 earnings, we saw strong traction in both Zoom rooms and Zoom phones. However, 
Meetings has a huge head start, as is evident in the relatively low penetration rates of Zoom phone and Zoom rooms. This shows that we have tremendous opportunity to continue to expand in our existing install base. Later in the session, Graham will dive deeper into our progress and the opportunity with Zoom phone and Zoom rooms. Next is our growth strategy to upsell additional products to customers beyond Zoom meetings. As we continue to evolve, we have a growing set of opportunities to drive additional revenue, strengthen retention, and expand the use cases of our technologies in order to enhance our strategic importance to enterprises. Here, you can see the evolution of our relationship with a financial services customer that demonstrates our ability to not only land and grow our initial meetings footprint, but also upsell Zoom rooms and Zoom phone along the way to achieve a four times multiplier from the original meetings purchase. And imagine how large this customer can grow to when you add Zoom events, contact center, whiteboard, and other products in our platform. The next example is a large global retailer where the customer not only deployed Zoom meetings and Zoom rooms, but added a significantly larger number of Zoom phones for their store locations. This customer had a 3.7 times multiplier from their original purchase. These examples highlight the importance and power of our land and expand selling motion. As Zoom has scaled at an unprecedented rate over the last year and a half, we have continued to strengthen our competitive advantage in the marketplace. First, our innovation engine is strong, and we continue to rapidly develop products and features to meet the needs of our customers. We have been recognized as best of breed by industry analyst firms, including leadership recognition in Gartner's Magic Quadrant for both UCAS and meeting solutions. Second, we have amassed a large base of loyal customers who rely on Zoom to enable frictionless and secure technology for work and collaboration. These customers provide a tremendous opportunity to upsell additional licenses and products when taking into account our estimated penetration rates. Third, the Zoom brand continues to shine. We were recognized by Interbrand in their 2020 list of 100 best brands joining many iconic names. All of this is made possible by our unique culture, which is focused on delivering happiness to our customers and our employees every single day. Our team at Zoom has worked hard to instill these values in every new Zoomie and ensure a cohesive culture. Prioritizing our values has enabled us to scale to 5,700 employees in a very short time. Navigating the high demand for a modern communications platform has been a humbling learning experience giving us newfound appreciation for what we have achieved this far, and most importantly, a renewed commitment to work harder to better serve our customers, our communities, and our shareholders. Thank you to the entire Zoom team for everything they have done and continue to do. Now, let me turn the presentation over to Oded, who will tell us more about our incredible innovation engine and some exciting new features announced today. Hi, everyone. Our Zoomtopia announcements focus on improving our existing products, reinforcing our innovation leadership position, and inspiring new use cases and applications. We have categorized these announcements into five key areas. 
Continuous collaboration, how you collaborate on an idea with Zoom by using collaboration tools and technologies. New hybrid workplace, how these tools can enhance communication, coordination, and communication in the new hybrid workplace. Apps and integration, how Zoom can be built into your business processes through your favorite apps and development platform integrations. Content outreach, how you launch a product, build communities, and reach widespread audiences with our event solutions such as Zoom events and video webinars. And customer engagement, how we support our customers to improve their customer interaction using Zoom. Ram and I will cover these areas in more detail in this presentation. I will cover continuous collaboration, apps and integration, and content outreach. Ram will follow to provide updates on the new hybrid workplace, including Zoom Rooms, Zoom Phone, and our advanced whiteboard features. We'll also explain our new video engagement center. Let's first start with continuous collaboration and the announcements with meetings, chat, and security. We've introduced several new feature announcements that now allow collaboration to be simple, inclusive, and continuous while maintaining the highest levels of security. Let me share a couple of examples. Enhancing the meeting experience is always top of mind since we are a video-first company. As you know, we recently acquired Kites, a company dedicated to providing natural language processing and automatic speech recognition. Now, you can connect across languages with transcription and real-time translation. Here is a short video showing the live translation. Hi, it's a pleasure to be joining you from Germany. Hi, we have people watching our presentation from all over the world. It's very exciting that people who speak other languages like Japanese, Chinese, Portuguese, or Korean can now understand us. This will make communication much easier. Yes, that's why we are thrilled to be part of the Zoom family. We're working hard to support transcription and translation in many languages. This makes the world just a little bit smaller and our team more productive. Alex, can you tell me something about the technology that makes this work? Natürlich. Das System basiert auf künstlicher Intelligenz. Wir kombinieren dabei automatische Spracherkennung und maschinelle Übersetzung. Die englische Sprache wird erst von der automatischen Spracherkennung transkribiert, dann wird dieser englische Text von der maschinellen Übersetzung in die anderen Sprachen übersetzt. That's great. We're excited to have you join us and welcome once again to Zoom. Yeah, as you can see, this is actually using the Kites technology. We're working hand in hand with that team. So really excited about that work. We are all familiar with the phrase, next slide, please, right? We're hoping to eliminate this phrase through our slide control feature so that multiple presenters can have control over slides. Back, one slide back. Yes, not done with meetings. When waiting to enter a meeting before the host arrives, we're providing the ability for attendees to have chat discussions 
Note that we will also have the ability to run videos or messages instead of simply showing, please wait for the host. And we are bringing you your own personal Zoom assistant, the Zoom widget. Using Zoom widget, you'll be able to see upcoming meetings at a glance, see who is already in the meeting, and notify the host using Zoom chat if you're running late. And when you're ready, simply join your meeting with a single click. There are some other meeting improvements that we've added based on customer feedback, including in-meeting chat emojis, avatars, and more. The end result is an enriched meeting experience that is simple and inclusive. Now moving to chat. Most of you probably are familiar with our in-meeting chat, but as shown on the bottom right, we have standalone Zoom chat as well. We're enhancing chat functionality to focus on continuous collaboration. How often are we in meetings and when the meeting is over, you lose the chat or you don't have a seamless way to continue the discussion and dialogue outside of the meeting? The time to spend communicating outside of a meeting is extremely important. And as a result, we have added the ability to make creativity, collaboration, and communication easy and part of a single unified flow. Now you can automatically share meeting content, record videos, whiteboard drawings, chat, and more beyond the meeting. Let's look at a short video clip on that. You can see here, this is the, the chat in the meeting itself. And then post-meeting, you can actually publish the chat content through a channel card into the channel or the people that were with you in the meeting itself. And you can see the chat itself as a transcript. We will continue to look for ways to enhance the chat experience across teams, organizations, and even across communication applications through integrations, including with M.io, online storage partners, and other partners. And moving on to security. At Zoom, security and privacy are the cornerstones of everything we do. We're continuously innovating our security capabilities with features such as end-to-end encryption, secure logging, and role-based access controls. And now we're taking additional steps, beginning with identity. We've partnered with Okta to provide Zoom users a way to feel confident that the person at the other end is indeed who they think they are. Verified attendees will now show with a check mark next to the name to provide higher levels of comfort and confidence. Then uh, bring your own key, BYOK. You will be able to provision and manage your own encryption keys to secure your assets, including meeting webinar recording, files, and phone voice notes. I just want to reinforce that we here at Zoom take seriously security and will continue to do so moving forward. The first step to addressing these challenges, we've <clears throat> partnered with, actually, let's move to the next one, hybrid workforce. 
Of course, uh, what I have shared with you, continuous collaboration, meetings, chats, security are going to be critical to the future of work. That future will undoubtedly be a hybrid model. Work is not longer a place, it is a space. And all of these collaboration tools, including Zoom Phone, Zoom Rooms, and our new advanced whiteboard product, will be critical to make this workspace, the future, a reality. Graham will talk about these products after my section. Let's talk a bit about how Zoom can be built into your business processes through your favorite apps and development platform integrations. It starts with the Zoom Developer Platform. The Zoom Developer Platform enables customers, developers, and service providers to easily build apps and integrations with Zoom's industry-leading video technology. It results in an app ecosystem to ensure that these apps are known and available to Zoom customers globally. We're planning to go big on the Zoom Developer Program. It is a way to enhance the Zoom offering with innovative complementary applications and extend the Zoom footprint, both in which will drive revenue growth. What compromises the Zoom Developer Platform? We have API that mirror popular Zoom features within a second party and third party application. We have two types of SDKs. First is the meeting SDK that allows developers to embed the Zoom video meeting into the client. Or they can use the Zoom video SDK to build native apps using core Zoom video technology. The end result is the ability to create new and innovative applications and use, and use cases based on the proven Zoom platform. But it doesn't end there. We've also created an app ecosystem that enabled the discovery and distribution of these apps to global audience. In addition, the integration through our APIs and SDKs, we have Zoom apps, which are apps integrated into the Zoom meeting platform. And we have the app marketplace through which over 1,500 third-party integrations and Zoom apps can be found. So we'll talk more about Zoom apps shortly. And we have tools that enable apps to be built quickly, easily, and effortlessly. Here are some examples of applications that were developed using Zoom's APIs, Video SDK, and Meeting SDK. As mentioned, we have over 1,500 third-party integrations and over 50 Zoom apps today. And we expect this to grow even more as we focus more on our Zoom development platform. You can see here Calendly, Tasks Human, and Connect.io. A little less than two months ago, we announced Zoom Apps. Zoom Apps consist of over 50 launch partners with apps that you can use in the Zooming today. They are already some of the most popular of the 1500 plus third-party integrations in the Zoom App Marketplace and include integrations with HubSpot, DocuSign, Google Suite, Microsoft Office, and more. Here is a short video of the DocuSign Zoom app. As you will see, the traditional DocuSign signature application is now enhanced with Zoom video. 
You can see here the workflow really integrates the ability to sign a document while you're in a video meeting. By enabling third-party applications into the Zoom experience, we're making meetings more productive, more engaging, and more fun. For clarification, since I get this question all the time, what is the difference between Zoom apps and the apps on the apps marketplace? Think of Zoom apps as those in-product apps that are seamlessly integrated into the Zoom experience, whereas all apps are available on the Zoom apps marketplace. This year, we launched the Zoom Apps Fund, a new $100 million venture venture fund that's all about stimulating growth within Zoom's ecosystem of Zoom Apps, integrations, developer platform, and hardware partners. The first batch of founded apps was just announced on August 30th, and we'll continue to invest in developer partners to see the ecosystem with investments ranging from $250,000 to $2.5 million. Zoom knows how vital early funding can be to entrepreneurs, and we're looking to support your efforts to build new solutions that will become core to how Zoom customers connect, communicate, and collaborate. At the same time, that we announced Zoom apps, we also introduced Zoom events. A secure, flexible, all-in-one event platform to create virtual experiences and needs we love. We're all familiar with Zoom webinar. In fact, over 1 billion people have attended a Zoom webinar this year alone. Now, we added another product that allows us to extend reach further and other multi-day, multi-track sessions the Zoom events. The single most requested feature for webinar is a gathering place for speakers before, during, and after the session. In real life, this is the green room. Virtually here at Zoom, we're calling it Backstage. With Backstage, speakers, panelists, and production support can hang out backstage, watch the live webinar, respond to Q&A, and get pulled live by the host. We've also enhanced our Zoom events offering since launch, adding some important features such as multi-track, multi-day support, and enhanced lobby experience that integrates live streaming, networking, chat, recording video in one lobby. One feature I want to highlight is the Expo feature. We want to bring the thrill of discovery to the virtual event, as if you were actually on a trade show or expo floor. With Expo, you can move your avatar around a virtual floor and meet with product experts in booth. You can also chat with other attendees in close proximity. Let me show you a short video snippet showing this. You can see the entrance into the lobby itself. See the, the avatars that allow you to really connect with others by proximity. 
We are bullish on our entire events platform, including webinar and Zoom events. The list of updates is quite large, and it will only reinforce the customer feedback that Zoom events is a game changer. That brings me to the end of my session. I will now turn things over to Graham to talk about the hybrid workplace and our new Zoom Video Engagement Center, which, as mentioned, allows our customers to improve their customer interactions using Zoom. Appreciate it, Oded, and uh, I'm excited to join today, share an update for both Zoom phone and rooms, uh, both of which have really been a focus for our customers as they embrace these new hybrid work trends that Kelly highlighted earlier. Uh, so starting off with Zoom phone, I wanted to quickly highlight just how busy we've been over this past year, uh, expanding our native Zoom phone calling plans in new markets like Israel, Japan, South Africa, Turkey, with coverage now in 47 countries and territories uh, with Bring Your Own Carrier for others. Uh, we've dramatically expanded our channel partnerships to help us accelerate new routes to market with new distributors, master agents, and resellers. And we've continued to listen to our customers and really innovate at record pace, delivering new capabilities to the platform like our native attendant console, real-time analytics dashboard, and a growing list of key integrations as well as hardware uh, partnerships and devices. So speaking of hardware, we've continued to expand our supported device portfolio, which has really helped us address the diverse needs we're seeing from our customers in a wide range of verticals. So for example, high density analog adapters to support our customers in manufacturing and hospitality, wireless deck devices to support uh, frontline workers or healthcare workers, and the list goes on and on. And this has really helped contribute to the results that we're seeing with Zoom phone. Last month, we celebrated surpassing over 2 million seats sold in market, uh, and it was actually Bickford Senior Living Center who purchased the 2 million seats, so a, a big thank you to them. Uh, they're an industry-leading care provider for seniors with 62 locations across the U.S., and as you can see from the pie chart here, 91% of those 2 million seats that we've sold are with our business customers that, that Kelly was highlighting uh, with employees greater than 10. And we've seen really great traction at the top end of the market as well, uh, now having 26 customers with more than 10,000 paid seats. So some very large deployments there. Now, moving to total Zoom phone customers, this has continued to increase at record pace with uh, just 5,800 customers back in Q2 of last year, uh, and now with uh, just over 18,000 this year, representing 212% year-over-year growth. We also now have 317 customers that are spending greater than 100K in ARR that is just Zoom phone ARR, with 21 of these that are greater, greater than 1 million in Zoom phone ARR. We also have a tremendous opportunity as we sell into the base of existing meetings customers. So that's the, the 504,000 that Kelly, Kelly mentioned earlier. But we also see continued adoption from customers that are, that are totally net new to Zoom, where they're buying the entire UCAS platform, so phone, meetings, and chat, all together up front. Now, this has increased from 20% of our Zoom phone revenue uh, to 24% uh, of this year. From a geographic breakdown, we continue to see broad success in the Americas, represented by the majority of our Zoom phone bookings, 
But as you can see in the pie chart on the left, both EMEA at 11% and APAC at 5% represent both growing and large potential opportunities for our future expansions. And I'll touch on this uh, in a moment when we highlight some of our Zoomtopia announcements. Our contribution from channel continues to increase up to 27% of our Zoom phone MRR from 17% last year. Uh, I mentioned Bickford as our 2 millionth seat uh, customer, uh, and Bickford was also an example of a channel-led deal. Laura, who will be presenting next, will highlight a number of investments we're making to continue our channel growth. And lastly here, highlighting our top verticals. We're seeing broad success with Zoom Phone and broad adoption for customers in a wide range of industry verticals, retail, manufacturing, financial services, and many more. And these are customers with very complex telephony needs and in many cases are replacing legacy old PBX systems and key system infrastructures. Now I want to quickly highlight some of the Zoom Phone announcements that we're making this week. First, just this morning, we announced our Zoom Phone Provider Exchange. So this is the next step in our BYOC or Bring Your Own Carrier model, which gives our customers the flexibility of choice to connect with their preferred PSTN provider. We're extremely uh, excited to partner with the providers you see listed on here, and this really allows us to expand both new geographies and new routes to market with Zoom Phone. Next. We announced Zoom Phone Video Voicemail. You know, video is at the core of everything that we do here at Zoom, and we're continuing to leverage the power of our video-first platform for all engagements that our customers have, both internally and externally. And Video Voicemail is a great segue into our newly announced Video Engagement Center. Our customers have been, um, if we go to the next slide, our customers have been asking us to help them leverage video in ways in ways that they engage with their customers. So this is all about experiences that are focused on the quality of the interaction and building rapport and trust with their clients. We see a wide range of use cases for a video engagement center from healthcare doctors visits to wealth advisory services, retail experiences with instant find and expert capabilities. We're really really excited about the future of this space. So next, pivoting to Zoom Rooms, we've seen a tremendous level of interest and adoption from Zoom Rooms from our customers as it's been central to their own return to office strategies. Over the past year, we've leveraged the power of Zoom Rooms to help our customers build new spaces and workflows to support a new hybrid way of working. We introduced a a number of capabilities. For example, uh, if we go to the next slide, kiosk mode to support virtual receptionists people counting and voice commands to support corporate safety standards and social distancing practices, and smart gallery, which I'll actually touch on here uh, in a moment. And just like Zoom Phone, we've continued to grow and expand our supported device ecosystem with a focus of Zoom Room appliances, which really make it simple for our customers to deploy and manage Zoom Rooms at scale. The breadth of the portfolio is industry-leading, and it's all about ensuring that we have the right device for the right space within our customer's environment. Now, moving into our Zoomtopia announcements for Zoom Rooms. This morning, we announced new hybrid workspace capabilities that leverage our existing Zoom Rooms and digital signage solutions to help our customers with seamless workflows as they potentially move from 
They dedicated office spaces to a more hybrid work style environment with hoteling and hot desking type of environments. This allows users to be able to view and reserve spaces from home or in the office, check into that space locally on the device itself or via their Zoom client using a mobile QR code and seamlessly sign out of that space at the end of the day. This feature set has been extremely top of mind for our customers and is a great example of the power of the entire end-to-end Zoom platform. We've also seen amazing traction with smart gallery capabilities, which are really centered around democratizing the experience for the remote participant uh, so that they experience this, they get the same experience as they did when everybody was remote. And this is all about everybody's picture-in-picture being the same. We've been pushing the industry here since we announced uh, this capability last Zoomtopia, and we're excited to announce phase two of our smart gallery capabilities, which is all about addressing more complex environments, so supporting multiple cameras with many, many multiple outbound streams. If we look at the next slide. We've also been listening to our customers who have said that they're really interested in digitizing the other interactions that happen within their conference room spaces, notably the whiteboard. So this morning, we announced an expansion of our native whiteboarding capabilities, providing a persistent whiteboard capability that's available both before, during, and after meetings. All of this is seamless across devices. This has been well, well received by our customers. And taking a step further around these capabilities, we also announced that our whiteboarding service would be available in the newly announced Oculus Horizon Workstream integration. With, with our approach to VR, we're, uh, we see this as an area for continued innovation, but really our focus is about consulting with our customers and focusing on the use cases that really add tangible value to their business workflows. So we're excited to extend our virtual whiteboard capabilities into this new experience and provide the ability to virtually walk up to the whiteboard and start drawing. That's it for me, and now I'll hand it over to Laura Padilla. Thank you, Graham. Happy to be here today as well. Next slide. As we further expand our global presence as well as product and platform story, a strong partner ecosystem will further accelerate our geographical footprint and our customer use cases that are available today. Next slide. There are three pillars in our strategy. With now over 3,500 partners in our community, it is more important than ever to provide them a framework that they can all succeed in. Starting on the left-hand side with our delivery, um, this is where our partner journey started at Zoom several years ago. We had partners who always were supporting us as certified integrators for our Zoom rooms, and now they're also able to do Zoom phone as a certified integrator as well. We also have partners who are hardware partners who are certified as well uh, on our platform. Next, we have uh, sales, which is our second pillar. We have over 3,500 sales partners as well. Um, in our master agent referral community, just that community alone is over 3,000 partners with 18 master agents globally. Our distribution partners are now 12 globally, and we have over 2,000 resellers as well. We have some of the largest carriers and service providers in the globe, as well as integrating and selling with Zoom. As the On the integrate pillar, we have uh, technology partners like AWS and Oracle, who are partners of ours as well. 
And then we have a brand new route to market called ISV, where we have software partners integrating with our platform through our APIs and SDKs, building value-added services for their customers, and then reselling the joint offering together. Next slide. As we partner with our international leadership, uh, furthering our geographical footprint is super important, and distribution is one of the ways that we are doing that today. We have partnered with some of the key distributors globally in certain geographical markets to further accelerate our sales. So, for example, Kerasoft in the federal market here in the U.S., we just onboarded Cynix um, in Latin America. We have Nuvius in Western Europe, Kern and Steli in the DOC region, Incube and FVC in the Middle East, Veracomp for Eastern Europe, and then we have Ripe for broader um, APAC, Savis in India, SBCNS in Japan, and Dicker Data for ANZ. Next slide. Resellers, we have over 2,000 value-added resellers now in our community. Again, this is even, even more important for our international story as we make sure we partner with, with partners who not only can help us in different commercial segments, but as well in different vertical markets as well. And I won't go over every name here, but as you can see, some that stick out, for example, in North America are names like Dell and SHI and CW. In EMEA, there are partners like SoftCant, SoftCant and Decom and DuPaul. And then if we think about also in, um, in APAC, NEC, RICO, SoftBank, et cetera. Next slide. Here you can see we have partnered with some of the largest service providers in the world. Um, we have Lumen with us here today, who is going to speak, as well as AT&T. We have BT, OBS, uh, Deutsche Telekom, as well as Telefonica and EMEA. And some of these are extremely new partnerships. Telefonica, for example, just helped us close an extremely large deal in Spain to uh, kick off our, uh, just signing the agreement. As well as an APAC, partners like Singtel, SmartFriend, and Vocus. In our master agent community, we have over 3,000 partners now, um, and this, then this um, program is only a year and a half old. Uh, so large partners, as you've heard, and mostly it is a program that is strongest in North America, like Avant and Intellisys and Telaris. And then we have partners in EMEA and ANZ as well, partners like Nuvius and Vericom, who have also signed uh, master agent agreements, as well as Dicker Data and Trade Winds in ANZ. Next slide. ISVs are extremely exciting and an important part of how we're proliferating our platform story. We have closed some of the largest deals um, that the company has done with, for example, Telcom Cell last quarter through this um, new route to market. Partners like Miro and Cvent, for example, are other partners that are taking advantage of our platform story to further integrate with Zoom and offer brand new services to their customers. We've had um, several announcements here at Zoomtopia around enhancements to our program. Um, as most of you, hopefully you have all seen that we are now offering partners to be able to resell Zoom phone through our BYOC program. We've announced a new cloud peering program as well called Zoom Phone Provider Exchange. 
We're also increasing our focus around investments and a new tiered program that we'll be talking about in more detail at a later time uh, with new levels. And as partners invest more, they get rewarded more as well for being a partner in the community. Um, we have also ex- ex- spent an amazing amount of time increasing the way that we do business together. So, um, as I said, we have over 3,500 new partners um, we have invested quite heavily in areas around operations and automation and partner success um, into making sure that we are extremely easy to do business with. Our contribution with Channel is now over 20% um, of the overall business minus online, um, and our deals are larger and larger now through the channel with deals that are sometimes over 500K as well. Um, we have spent a considerable amount of time as well aligning our sales teams, both on the direct side with our partners as well. Our partner satisfaction score is over 70. We have our own partner council now and surveys that we put out to our community to make sure we understand how they're feeling and areas that we can improve on as well. Um, and that is um, only getting better. Our deal registration acceptance rate this quarter is over 80%. And this is an extremely important milestone because we look, if we look at the quarters before, this was considerably lower. So again, tying together our partner satisfaction as well as all the investments we've made in alignment. And then finally, we've launched this partner advisory council, which I referenced earlier, which we are doing once or twice a year to make sure that we're understanding from our partners what's working, what isn't, and how we can make sure we're building the best program available. Next slide. Great. And I am super excited to have three of our key partners with us here today. The first one is Carl Orleman from Lumen Technologies. He is the VP of Sales and Customer Success. We have Andy Dignan from 5.9, who is the SVP of Global Partners and Services. And then we have Daichi Nozaki from SoftBank, who is the VP Head of Global Business Division. Thank you, all three of you, for being here with us today. So I'm hoping to ask the three of you some questions. Um, we'd love to just have you introduce yourselves and tell us a little about how you partner with Zoom and why you're partnering with Zoom. Carl, why don't you start? You're on mute. Carl, you're on mute still. Why don't we kick it off to Andy? Why don't you go ahead and Yeah, no problem. Say uh, thanks, Laura, for uh, having me. I think this is my uh, fourth Zoomtopia. So, um, yeah, uh, partner uh, at 5.9, lead our, our partner in services business. So in terms of why we partner with Zoom, I mean, ultimately – you know, what the market is is looking at right now, and I love this idea of continuous uh, collaboration. Anyone who's been in this space for a long time has kind of been the panacea of where we've been trying to get to, and I think we're we're almost there. And so, you know, having a partner like Zoom that's kind of bringing that uh, to market, allowing a partner like Cloud9 to also bring our best uh, CCAS solutions to the market, um, I think is uh, really important. So, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about one or two customer stories that you think really speak well to our partnership and the platform story that we're building together. Yeah, good good question. I spent some time over the weekend, actually reviewed every win that we had together. And uh, what, was, what was pretty cool was to see it was a pretty broad spectrum of customer sizes from small to large, as well as verticals, you know, whether it's uh, higher education, financial services, legal. Um, and, you know, I think the, the number one use case that stuck out to me was, 
So this idea of being able to connect in the contact center to the, the knowledge worker, right? And really that starts with a very simple integration of, of just uh, um, what's called presence, right? So the ability for an agent to get a call and then to be able to reach out into the workforce to say, hey, I need some help from a, from a knowledge worker or a subject matter expert. Um, and I, I think one good example is a, a really large um, university that uh, we're actually currently a Zoom meetings customer, and they're now adopting Zoom phone as well as, as uh, Five Mind Contact Center. And what they're looking at is every call coming inbound into uh, Zoom and Five Nine to be able to then distribute those calls out to every group within the, within the organization. Uh, the, the second one is the financial services. So I think that, that's kind of the presence example. The second one is a, a financial services uh, customer, joint customer we have in Florida, um, where ultimately they're leveraging the presence integration piece of it. But when you think about IT, you know, versus maybe a line of business buyer, uh, what they're looking at is consolidation of routing of their calls. So the ability for them to not have to manage multiple um, contracts in terms of voice and be able to easily route those um, integrations. So all the calls then come into the contact center, and then all their agents can route all of their calls outbound through uh, through the Zoom connection that we have together. So a lot of different use cases, and you know, I think there's a lot more to come, but uh, those, are, those are two good examples. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. Carl, sounds like yeah. you're good now. Yeah, sorry about that little end user error first time, I guess. Um, yeah, thanks for having us today. Uh, yeah, so just a little bit about the Lumen platform and how we partner with, with Zoom overall here. Um, obviously, Lumen is, you know, one of the largest global providers of telecom services, and we've been going through a transformation for the past few years. A partnership with Zoom has just exploded over the past couple of years, and I'm sure that this um, upcoming future is going to bring even greater success. But um, our our Go-to-market focus is primarily around uh, direct connectivity for our customers, leveraging agile IT solutions, um, incorporating basically connected security across all facets, as well as obviously a collaboration platform that I think is bar none, uh, the best partnership that we have out there. And and from a day one, day zero, day two support model, uh, we really differentiate ourselves on that front. So we... uh, we really go to market focusing in on a platform for amazing things, enabling kind of a cloud connectivity, cloud migrations, um, and connected security throughout all of our customer needs. And it's not just about one application layer or one architecture or one gateway. It's multiple facets of this kind of coming in, and we're seeing more and more around our customer needs coming directly into complex solutions, right? So it's no longer buying just a siloed set of services. It's wrapping it all together and ensuring that that hybrid model experience is going to be ubiquitous across the platforms. Awesome. And tell me about one or two customer stories that you thought spoke. Yeah, yeah. So I think we just – we, yeah, that's a great question. We just had a great win uh, last month, actually, um, retail customer that was looking to c- totally transform how their vision and go-to-market is for their customer base, um, as well as their internal customers, right? So they had multiple platforms, and they were looking to standardize on a single solution. Um, Lumen was able to go in with Zoom and partner together on that front, with which, which enabled basically them consolidating several different PBX legacy platforms, tying that all together, um, and putting it into not only a global solution that offered virtual SBC management, but it also had total uh, TN management and everything from a telephony component that normally they would be handling internally that they just knew they didn't have the scale as they were starting to their expansion into the hybrid workforce. Um, as we got into the distributed model, 
and looking at the overall cloud migration that they were looking at across some of their ERM systems, as well as what they're looking for for their CRM systems, uh, their ERP overall solution wound up having to migrate at the same time as they're looking to do this phone solution. So ultimately, the kind of UCAS application solution, standardizing into one platform with Zoom, um, enabled us to kind of differentiate Lumen's overall platform for amazing things and being able to tie in security, cloud migration, and a UCAS experience. Uh, so far, everything's gone great, and uh, customers seem to be very happy. A very large win, and, and obviously, hopefully, many more to come. That's great, and that's what we like to hear. Customers happy. That's exactly what we want. Thank you, Carl. Daichi, hi. How are you today? Hi, Laura. How are you? Uh, thank, thank you for having for me. Being, thank you for being here. I'd love to understand a little bit about uh, the Zoom partnership and, and also one or two customer stories that you'd like to share. Sure. So uh, uh, probably the, a lot of audience may know SoftBank as a vision fund and those big funds. So uh, yes, that's part of our friend of ecosystem. But uh, the SoftBank itself is the teleco in Japan. And the, you know, our, the, uh, the Zoom relationships is very meaningful for us, very important for us from two angles, two elements. One is that, uh, you know, Japan is still, although it's the number three, uh, the G- GDP, uh, the country in the world, but, uh, a lot of, you know, the, uh, the uh, business structure and processes are so legacy, very, very, uh, not digital. So because of this pandemic, obviously a lot of enterprise customers, including SMB, they are forced to change. And the Zoom helpers to become like, a, it's a, it became a trigger to change their business processes and to go towards that the digitalization, digital transformation. So Zoom was very, very important for us to kind of uh, to make customer realize how important for them to shift that, you know, their direction to that, you know, the, uh, that area. That's one. The other part is that, uh, as I said earlier, uh, SoftBank has a, its own ecosystem. Uh, including uh, the vision fund portfolio. And my role is that how I can create a new business uh, d- development, uh, you know, leveraging all those our ecosystem and partners. And from that point of view, uh, the Zoom is a very important partner for us to come up with a new business model, business, you know, the, uh, the development together with the SoftBank ecosystem in not only in Japan, but the APAC, entire APAC. So from those two angles, are the Zoom is very important. Now, one, uh, the good example for the, and also probably this is very unique about Japan, uh, the insurance company, that's how the kind of signature we enforce. The, you know, insurance, uh, the business industry in Japan is the very, very traditional. So majority, most of the sales is done, what well, has been done in person, not, nothing online. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but they are forced to change to online environment because of this pandemic. So one, those sales from people are not necessarily tech savvy. So the UI is very important. It really needs to be easy to use, right? That's one. The other one is the quality because that's completely sales uh, process. It's not the internal use. So unless sales from people, sales people are happy with the quality, they're not going to use it. So there is some competition, but they love the UI. They love the quality. And that's why over other competitors, we jointly won this big, big, uh, the, uh, the contract from the, this insurance company in Japan. So that's a probably very significant way for us. I love to hear that. Great. Thank you. I'd love to hear from the three of you. The environment, as we all know, is changing rapidly and our customers are requesting, uh, new solutions and 
Um, what do you see as important to our partnership in the next 12 years? And what are you most excited about? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, jump in, Laura. So, yeah, that's a loaded loaded question. Um, but, you know, I think where, where we see the market going, you know, specifically in the, the contact center space, we've talked to many of our largest customers and the at-home agent, the remote agent, there's no going back. Um, you know, this transition is, is there to stay. Um, as we know, you know, if you look at the $24 billion contact center TAM, um, it's only about 15% penetrated. And one of the things holding, um, I think, organizations back was the fact that the IT buyer definitely wants to have a great experience between a UC solution and a contact center solution and really about the full partner ecosystem that can be wrapped around it. And so mm-hmm. I think what we're going to see is just a an acceleration of the migration to cloud for contact center and, again, specifically with with UC. So ha- having been a part of the uh, the prem to IP collaboration uh, uh, change, lucky to be part of two transitions happening, and I think this one's going to be even more impactful. And so, yeah, over the next uh, 12 months or maybe 12 years, as you mentioned, that's a long time. Um, it's uh, going to be exciting. And we're looking forward to it, Andy. That's great. Carl uh, or Daichi? Well, I think from a, from a Lumen perspective, um, I'm hoping that 12 years from now, at least I'm retired. Uh, but you know, bringing it back to reality, um, I would sorry, say that 12 months, sorry. All good. Um, yeah. So I think the, as, as Andy kind of hit the home, the nail on the head there, I think the contact center space meetings and consolidation around our UCAS experience, I think almost contact center is going to become the focal point of all kind of communications coming in. Right. Um, you know, and I think the platforms that we look for from Zoom and and our enablement from service provider model and reseller for Zoom is that we can come in and be able to provide that, um, you know, reliable, consistent experience across voice, video, messaging, but then bringing in that solution into the contact center because there are so many intricacies and nuances associated with what the customer is looking for. And being able to capture that customer experience and knowing what that customer engagement model is going to look like moving forward, as well as relevant content, right? Just the relevant content out of the CRM. So tying that all in, whereas I believe in the past we've been selling a lot of our solutions in contact center have been isolated and off to the side or a pull through are now becoming the actual entrance into all of our opportunities. And we're finding this on a consistent basis. It's not because it's been in the past three or six months. It's literally the past 18 months. And so I think as we sit there, we really become more of a, you know, integral part of the customer technology. And then we look at the customer, you know, kind of experience from the end user experience and being able to read out on that, be able to provide those SKPs. And then the APIs associated to it are going to be critical for us. So um, I know the, the development of partnership that we've had with you so far has been phenomenal. It's better than any partnership that we've ever brought on by far. And I just look forward to the uh, near future here to see how that well uh, continues to evolve. Well, thank you, Carl. We're looking forward to it, too. Thank you. Sure. So, uh, uh, you know, and unfortunately, uh, even today, this day, that the Japan, Tokyo, most of the city, big city in Tokyo, I mean, Japan is under state of emergency. But 12 months from now, I hope uh, we can get out of that situation. Now, having said that, still the working environment, um, you know, people tend to go back to try go, going back to the office. But I don't really think that it's going to be in a 100% office work. It's going to be hybrid for sure. And having said that, uh, the very early stage of this pandemic, uh, the, all those, as I said, uh, mentioned earlier, 
a lot of enterprise customers, small business, they are forced to work remotely because it was a strong, strong recommendation from the government, yet they don't have any environment, you know, for the remote work at all. So uh, Zoom was chosen. One of the reasons is that because it's easy to use and it's kind of, you know, the, uh, the they don't need to have too much integration whatsoever. So that was the, one of the major reasons they, you know, chose to use the Zoom. Now, you have they have a choices, obviously, that your competitors are catching up, catching up and come up with uh, new, you know, uh, there are uh, features and those. So for Zoom to be chosen, keep chosen going forward, that uh, obviously as we heard Zoomtopia today, a lot of new features, that's obviously clearly important. And the, like a Zoom room, Zoom phone, those new features will be very, very important for uh, make them to make your, make Zoom sticky for those enterprise customers in SMB. But not only that, I believe that there is a cultural difference between uh, you know, every every different, you know, geographical, like U.S. and European countries versus Japan or any other APEC, you know, countries. There is a cultural difference in terms of business practice, preferences. So as local partner and telco, we really would like to contribute how we can help localizing and product also in Japan and all other APEC. And also our, not only regulation, but also, you know, the, uh, the, how we can interface the customer to sell, you know, for in terms of co-marketing, co-sales. So uh, that, that would be something, you know, the, uh, we can uh, add value for Zoom. And uh, in addition to that, as I said, as Teleco, we may be able to come up with the co-developed product, like a more secured, uh, the pro, you know, services locally in Japan, or have some sort of more collaboration with the software ecosystem and Zoom, and that may be something we're trying to come up with ideas and we are discussing, you know, aggressively with the Zoom team. So I'd, uh, that's my expectation. That's perfect. And I think what you talked about, Daichi, is extremely important is that that is why we're partnering with partners like yourself who understand the local market so well and are specialized in it that you can help us make sure we're building the right solution and we're entering it in the right way. So thank you so much for your partnership. My, right. my pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on the panel today. And that was the last question. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Laura. And thank you to all of our panelists. We appreciate you being here so much. Um, now we are actually going to go ahead and open it up for questions. So, Matt, are you going to help us? Um, in terms of lining up the questions, please. Yes, let me bring all of you on. I'm going to add Ryan here. Joining us, sorry, thank you, Matt. So joining us for questions today will be Ryan Azis, our CRO, of course, Eric Yuan, our um, founder and CEO, and also Laura, who you all just met. She's going to stay and join us for the Q&A portion. Yeah, our first question is going to be from Mita Marshall with Morgan Stanley. Great. Thanks. And uh, hopefully you can hear me. Um, so, you know, I obviously a lot of great stats as far as, you know, how far you've made your penetration into phone and rooms thus far. Just how do you think about where you can get that penetration to? And just, you know, um, maybe another point just on that of, you know, understanding meetings and phones are obviously a place for monetization. But as you 
some of these features you rolled out today, whether improved chat or whiteboarding, just what other opportunities are there for ARPU Uplift within kind of your current portfolio? Thanks. Um, so in terms of the opportunity for penetration, um, you, as you saw from the stats, as a reminder for everybody, earlier in the presentation, we showed that from um, an, a, an account basis, both in phone and Zoom room penetration rates are under 5% or 5% and under. And so that means there are tremendous opportunities and that any meeting user basically has the opportunity to upgrade to phone and potentially all those organizations to also add Zoom rooms. And then a quick reminder that one of the other steps we shared is the multiplier effect when you start from original MRR and add on meetings and phone. We, we saw two use cases where the multiplier effect was one was 3.7 and one was four. So in terms of the, the opportunity, um, in terms of what that penetration rate can get to Mita, I, I mean, I think at this point we're so early that the opportunity is almost unlimited, meaning that you know, we have a huge install base that we have the opportunity to continue selling into, as well as we talked about our penetration rates, the G2K still being very low. And then when you look at all the new features and functionality that we added today, it even makes, you know, the, the platform more compelling for our existing customers to continue to expand their spend with us, as well as, well as creating an opportunity for future additional logos. Got it. And just on that second piece of the question, how should we think of some of the features you introduced today, whether that be kind of improved chat, improved whiteboarding? You know, are there chances to monetize those or do they kind of stay within that core, kind of keeping the ARPU of the meetings platform relatively steady? Um, as we're focused on continuing to deliver happiness to our customers, there, there's some component of whiteboarding, for example, that will be included with the free version, the basic version of our product. But then think about it, as you continue to expand your use, there would be an opportunity for increasing, you know, your, your use of that product based on the opportunity to pay more for it. So there is going to be some potential opportunity for increased ARPU um, on whiteboarding specifically. And in terms of chat, that doesn't matter. That's something that comes um, for free with our meetings product. Great. And then Thanks. video engagement center would also be another opportunity. Um, one of the things that we talked about today. Meta, that would definitely be a ARPU revenue opportunity. Great. Thank you, guys. Our next question is from William Power with Baird. Great. Thank you. Thanks for taking the question and hosting the event. Um, maybe backing up, uh, Eric, you look at all the assortment of announcements you made today. You know, If you could pick one or two that you're most excited about or you think could be most impactful for the business, you know, what, what might those be? So that's really question. If I just want to mention one or two features, I guess probably a lot of engineers may not be happy because they all work so hard. But anyway, I think among all of the features, I would say as Joanne just mentioned, a video engagement center is pretty interesting. The reason why is I think a lot of uh, you know customers did ask a question about a video engagement center. I would want to you know leverage this opportunity to share with you all, you know, what's the video engagement center. And first of all, it does bring a new revenue opportunity for us, right? That's one, right? Two, it also has a video component built in as well, right? Compared to any other traditional contact or engagement center, right? Third thing is, you know, it, it seamlessly integrates with our video and phone. 
last but not least, is very, very flexible. So meaning it can be used by healthcare professionals, you know, like a telemedicine doctor or financial advisors, also can be used, applied to the technical support team. We are going to take the same approach as we did before when we launched Zoom phone, meaning after the RISG early next year, we are going to sit down, solicit feedback with, with our customers. Then we will decide where we are going to double down because it's too flexible, can be used in so many use cases, right? So those reason, that's the reason why, you know, I'm so excited about a video engagement center. If you want that to, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, Thank that you. makes a lot of sense. Maybe just as a quick follow-up, any thoughts as to how, you know, that would integrate potentially with 5.9 and fit within, you know, that, that capability? Actually, prior to the announcement with 5.9, we did a partner with them very closely. Now, given the announcement, because of the SEC rule, I, I, we even cannot talk with them very often anymore. So it's really hard for us to, to look at the, what's the plan look like. You know, until we close the deal. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is from Jim Fish with Piper Sandler. Hey guys, thanks. Thanks for the day today. Um, really cool announcements. I, I did want to go back to Meta's question. You know, it looks like it's about 110 seats per phone customer and you're roughly at 500,000 total customers or so. You know, Kelly, is that 110 average seats a fair representative of the average customer at Zoom, and, and now that your install base, and kind of would imply that your install base could get you to 55 million available seats out there. Is that the right way to think about, and how do we think about the win rates with an existing meetings customer with phone versus a completely new customer? Yeah, so um, you have to remember, we have um, a wide range of customers, so you know, starting from very small and extending all the way into the largest enterprise. Um, so, you know, we, we went through all the stats that you've seen in terms of the customer sizes and the various spends that we have. Um, so that, that it's hard to say specifically what an average is, Jim, because it really can, can move around and flex up and down given the diversity of our customer base. Um, in terms of, so what would you ask? You asked about win rates on Zoom phone exists regarding meeting customers. Okay. Ryan, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, Jim, very positive is the short answer. I mean, you know, first off, you know, existing customers, as you can imagine, trust us. They know Zoom for delivering. They know Zoom for innovation. Um, you know, selling phone is different. There is a different sales cycle. There's, you know, quite often in any mid-size to large organization, some level of proof of concept. Um, but our job's really just to get them to proof of concept. If we do that, the rest kind of takes care of itself. And that's usually, you know, the usability, the innovation, the functionality, um, the TCO and the ROI are definitely a winning combination. Um, so just a matter of us getting them to get to that point of proof of concept. Thanks, thanks Ryan and, and Kelly. Um, last one, just on phone. Um, a lot of mud out there about price points in the space with, with phone meetings and chat all in. I guess, Ryan, what kind of range are, are you seeing them all kind of come in together or separately if it's kind of standalone? Is it like a one and a half or two times per seat? Um, ASP driver, or how should we think about price points adding on to that uh, ARPU? Yeah, I mean, the one comment I'd make is, you know, it really depends on the type of phone. So I think Kelly's talked about this in the past, but we have a variety of different offerings. And so 
there's some where it's just the software and the PBX side of it. And of course, that would be a lower ARPU, especially as you scale up to extremely large numbers. Um, there's others where you're having, you know, unlimited, you know, local and long distance, let's say for the U.S. And there's others where you're doing that from a global nature. And so, you know, you could be at $5 on one, $10 on another, and up to 20 on another. And so it really depends more than the competitiveness of it. It's really the mix of how the customer wants to buy it. And are they using another underlying carrier or not? Or Zoom delivering the full solution with the transport is normally how we look at it. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tim. Our next question is from Matt Stotler with William Blair. Yeah, hey, everybody. Thanks for putting this on today. Um, maybe a couple kind of higher-level questions from me. Um, first one on, on the Zoom app marketplace, uh, specifically looking at kind of the developer resources that you guys are investing in. Seems like a really interesting opportunity to, you know, as you're putting the platform in other people's hands, they're continuing to build off of it to effectively expand your TAM outside of what you maybe would have would have done internally. Um, so we'd love to just you know, maybe dig into, you know, what you're seeing people build um, from the developer standpoint with the, the Zoom app marketplace and, and how you think about how this effectively expands your TAM beyond what you maybe would have done, uh, you know, from your own internal uh, development efforts from here. Sure. Eric, do you want to talk about what we're seeing build first, and then I can address kind of the TAM aspect of that? Yes, sure, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, given what's happening over the past 15 months, we do see, you know, so many brand new use cases. We look at our engineering resources in a lot of areas. We just realize we just uh, can't do everything, right? That's why, you know, we double down on our Zoom apps ecosystem as well as SDK business. You know, take a class of technology, for example. They are leveraging our SDK to build an online education platform, right? And also, and a lot of, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the business productivity tools, you know, like a DocuSign, like a Dropbox, Box. They also wanted to build a Zoom apps. I think some of, some of them already uploaded to our marketplace. Again, I think, uh, you know, for, for us, right, to really, the way to think about the Zoom apps is that this is more like, you know, the, the iPhone ecosystem, right? Huge opportunities. You know, I, I do see a lot of uh, game developers that are thinking about how to build all kinds of games upon the Zoom apps platform ecosystem. And I'm very excited about, you know, playing games, right? With that, actually, the, the service is more sticky. You do not have Zoom fatigue anymore. I think the sky is the limit because, I, you know, the developers are so creative. And, uh, you know, any applications, I think, uh, you know, in the next several quarters, you will see that a lot of Zoom apps either built by us or built by our, you know, uh, partners. This, and that is, this is also a huge partner area as well that we're investing in and expanding in. If you think about technology companies with their own technology using our APIs and SDKs, they build further value to their platform and then bringing that to market. And then system integrators will also be able to build custom applications on Zoom for their customers. It's just going to make the opportunity even bigger. That's, that's very helpful. Um, and then maybe just uh, one more question from me. Um, again, at kind of a high level. So if I think about you know, tra- traditional use cases for video have been very internally focused around collaboration, but with what you built around you know, webinars and now you know, conferences and, um, you know, especially as, as we kind of think about adding on contact center and things, it seems like you're you know, looking to build a much more ubiquitous collaboration engagement, right? Like on the, especially on the customer engagement front. So, 
as you think about Zoom as, as potentially, you know, providing a, a, you know, more holistic customer engagement solution going forward, leveraging the core video platform, what does that look like? And, and you know, how do you think about what kind of key components are left to, uh, to kind of layer into the platform here? Thank you. Eric, do you want to take Yeah, that? sure, sure. So, Matt, you know, our, you look at our core, right? It's still, you know, it's the uh, video communications, right? And we start off with video conferencing. And also, you look at a full UC stack, right? The last piece is more like engagement center, right? And we just talk about that. But I think it's the first of all, you know, as a card just to share, right? And with video and voice, with building chat, and also the engagement center together, right? To offer a full stack. You know, that's the value. The customer, we are going to, you know, uh, offer to our customer. Also, this is the, uh, what our customers, they are, they ask about, about, right? They really wanted to, you know, Zoom offer, you know, a full stack, right? That's more like step one. But uh, step two is how to make sure open up brand new use cases and opportunities based on our platform. The platform not only for Zoom apps or the, the Zoom SDK, you know, like take an engagement center, for example. We also have, we will, you know, you know, publish the API as well, right? And the sort of party, they can build some specific vertical engagement center, you know, upon our API as well. That's why there's a step one is a full usage stack and it's a platform. I think that's our growth strategy. Helpful. Thanks again. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Up next, we have a question from CT Panagrahi with Mizuho. Hey guys, uh, thanks, thanks for taking my question and a very insightful presentation. I wanted to ask a high-level Zoom phone question. Uh, you said like 2 million phone out of 464 million TAM. So question is like, why, what's, what are the factors not right now innovating that kind of uh, penetration on the cloud PBX market? Why do you think that's a big opportunity for you? And when you think of competitive landscape, what else like besides technology kind of, you know, stops others to get into the space? Uh, how are you looking at this opportunity? That would be helpful. Brian, you want to address that? Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, I think, the big opportunity and make sure I'm understanding CD is really there's a large, very large legacy on premise. Um, and that's traditionally, you know, companies like Cisco, like Avaya, like Mitel um, that aren't on the cloud that, you know, you know, most large companies, that's what they're on today. And the reality is they know that's not the solution for the future. And so it's a traditional like, you know, on prem to cloud migration. Um, in addition, we also see opportunity from other cloud providers. But that's really the huge market opportunity. And, you know, I think there was just timing. I mean, a couple of years ago, you'd go to the large enterprise and you'd, someone would be like, I have 50,000 employees, 100,000. I'm not, that's not for me. We, that's not, they're used to kind of managing and hugging their boxes and running it. And now the mindset's completely changed. Um, they know that's not going to be what they do in the future. And so now it's a matter of if and when and how and kind of managing through that process. It's just to quickly add on to what Ryan said. I think uh, if you look at what's happening in the club, is the PBX market, or overall the PBX market, that's in two opportunities. One is, you know, from migration from on-prem to cloud, we all know that. Another thing is, I think it's, you know, sort of only, I would say, you know, I think only high-tech companies really understand it for now, but we will spread it to all other industries as well. Meaning, the video and the voice, those two are converged into one service. Zoom has a unique architecture. We build a video first, add a phone upon that. Any other solutions, you build a phone first, 
And then at the video, it's all, it's so hard, almost impossible. That's the reason why last quarter look at, you know, a new customer and uh, Seagate Technologies. They deploy both video and phone. I think th this kind of uh, convergence, right? I think, uh, you know, I would say next several years, we drive the, the growth. And, uh, you know, normally, you know, we'll start from a high-tech companies. And then uh, one one more question, Kelly, probably on the uh, business. When you get that, like your user space with business emails, you get something, uh, there are 83% ARR with business email, but just wondering overall business user segment, what percentage of those, uh, users with business email are free users. Why I'm asking is that's a huge potential growth opportunity in the future. And what else, what could you do to monetize that? Like as you are adding more and more feature, do you think at some point you can monetize that base? Help us understand like how big is that user base? Yeah. So um, the percentage of the users that we talked about that that they have the 17% has one paid license, just to be clear. So the, the split that we talked about was for our paid install base. So that's, um, but beyond that, we do have a very significant um, base of free users that we, we love and value as they continue to be a very important part of driving our viral growth. They have the opportunity every day to expand and expose new people to the power of Zoom. And then, um, I think Eric is always thinking of new ways to and opportunities for potentially monetizing, but those are probably discussions to come for the future. Unless there's Eric, anything else you want to talk about in regards to that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kelly. You are so right on. I think, uh, Siti, just a, a, a quick comment. I think prior to pandemic crisis, you know, when we look at our online users, you know, mainly for more like a marketing platform, right? And a little bit of conversion rate, right, to become a pro, you know, paid users. That's our strategy before. But given what's happening over the past 15 months, you are so right. Look at our daily meeting participant. One third are still the free meeting participant, right? And, you know, for us, it's still to focus on, you know, focus on conversion from free, to, uh, from free to paid. I think that's old fashioned. We got to be creative, right? Stay tuned. <laughs> Next several <laughs> weeks or months. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Stevie. Our next question is from Rishi Jaluria with RBC. Wonderful. Uh, thanks so much for taking my questions, and, and nice to see a, a whole slate of product announcements today at Zoomtopia. Uh, first question I wanted to ask is, is exactly on uh, that, which is you, you really teased this more robust function, chat functionality, and, and you've talked about that before. You know, I think that's really exciting in this move to become a, a broader platform. It, how should we be thinking about the longer-term opportunity with this? Is this something that you know, it's primarily more of an enhancement uh, to, to make the platform more valuable for existing customers. Can it be something that can be char uh, charged for and monetized as a separate SKU? Uh, maybe help us understand that, and then I've got a follow-up on international. Yeah, Rishi, I think uh, when it comes to Zoom chat, I think uh, for now, we do not have a plan to monetize. The reason why you look at the full usage stack, the way for us to look at a chat, it should be part of this overall full usage stack. You know, a lot of customers already deployed a Zoom chat as well. Also, we, we, we think, you know, we got to give a customer flexibilities, meaning they already deploy the Teams or Slack. You know, we can, we partner with uh, Mail, right? You know, all those three, you know, chat solutions can interpret. Also, so some customers, especially from UC perspective, you know, they really want, hey, I type, send you a message. 
and call you, I think, make it easier to facilitate the UC conversation. That's the reason why we offer this full stack. Plus, we are, we do not have a plan to monetize the chart, even if the usage is pretty healthy. Okay, great. That's, that's helpful. And then I wanted to get to international. Kelly, in, in your prepared remarks, you talked about how you expect international to become half the business over time. Maybe can you help us understand what, what are the drivers to, to really grow your international penetration? Is it just more of the same? Is there more that you have to do with the, with the partner channel and, and, uh, ISVs and, and, and the like out there? And, and maybe related to that, do you have to change your pricing, uh, methodology over time? You know, I, I know you do price in certain places in local currencies, uh, but if you do the translation, you know, even in an emerging market like India, it's actually, uh, equivalent to or, or depending on exchange rates, a, a slight premium to what you're charging the U.S. and feels like uh, the, the broader opportunity might require a little bit of discounting as a lot of enterprise software does. So, so maybe help us understand the international piece. Sure. Well, since we have the two people also here that are responsible for this with Brian and Laura, why don't I let them answer first and then I can address it. Sure. Um, high level, you know, to the more of the same, I think there's a ton of opportunity um, in really executing. And there's a couple pieces there. The first is in larger companies. Rishi, as you'd imagine, it's really expanding our coverage internationally, um, but especially in think about the global 2K. And, you know, if you think about what Kelly showed earlier, um, you know, we tend to get a seed. That seed leads to, ex, you know, more sales, which tends to lead to a full deployment over time. And the international markets, we've had less time in market. I mean, depending on each market, of course, it's different. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, we are seeing a lot of opportunity even in developing like Southeast Asia and lots of smaller countries where maybe we just didn't have coverage before um, is another. And then, as you can imagine, with partners, of course, you know, from SoftBanks to lots of the distributors that Laura talked about, um, really leveraging partners. And whether that be for localization, whether that be sometimes for currency, whether that be for service, relationship, a variety of different factors, but Partners become even more important internationally, I and mean, they're important everywhere, um, but I think they become even more critical to really support our expansion as we go forward. And there are price sensitivities, Rishi, to your comment around different markets. Absolutely. We hear that from the partners all the time. We're actively looking at our partner program and ways that we should address that in the most appropriate way possible. And, yes, there are discussions right now about different markets and what that means from, from a pricing point of view. And Ryan summarized it well around um, we are going to rely heavily on partners on this next phase of growth for us geographically. They know the markets, um, you know, they're experts in the markets, and that partnership is going to be critical for success. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Racy. Our next question is from Steve Enders with KeyBank. Okay, great. Thanks for uh, for taking the question here. Um, I just want to get a better sense of kind of where we are in terms of uh, the, the channel initiatives, in terms of them coming in uh, and fulfilling versus driving uh, the relationship and customers to to Zoom at this point. Yeah, it really depends on the market um, and what we're doing. And in general, we don't do a lot of just fulfillment. So that would be one thing is this is not a business where we're like, let's just take all our opportunities and add, you know, give them to the channel. Um, this is where we work with channel partners to find that value add. And so if you do the pure definition of fulfillment, it's like minimal to none. Um, and so all channel partners have some value add. Again, whether it be the relationship, quite often services, bundling, existing customer contracts, commitments, quite often they traditionally sold the existing legacy services we're replacing um, is definitely one of those places, um, you know, along with all the other things that they're able to add. And and in our new partner program, we're actually building a competency center now as well. 
So partners can now build competencies around our products like Zoom phones, Zoom rooms, become certified integrators, do their own tier one support and so forth. And so um, even more so, they'll continue to add more value to their customers um, around Zoom. It's great to hear. Uh, and then maybe for, for Kelly, um, just want to get a better sense of, uh, of kind of how you're thinking about the opportunity for the cash component of the of the business now. I know there's about $5 billion out there, but just kind of what you're thinking about that usage going forward. Yeah. So, um, first of all, there's a couple areas in the company itself that we're really focused on investing in, including R&D, where we're not yet spending as a percentage of revenue to our target. And also sales as we're continuing to expand quota carrying heads. Just heard Ryan talk about that. And also um, advertising, focusing on specific product marketing. As the brand awareness globally has really accelerated, we want to ensure that's consistent in terms of other products like Zoom Phone and Zoom Rooms. And then we are also constantly watching for opportunities for M&A to continue expanding, you know, both our technology as well as our talent. Um, Really excited that we actually recently had Sanjay Rao join our team. He's running um, Corp Dev and M&A Strategy, and he'll continue to help us think and look for amazing opportunities. Um, yeah, we've done two small um, acquisitions to date with um, Keybase and Kites, and they were both great additions to our team, and we'll continue to watch for more kind of in that size as well as mid-size. And then, of course, there's the depending 5.9 acquisition as well. Okay, great. Thanks for taking my questions. Thank you, Steve. Our next question is from Alex Zukin with Wolf Research. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Um, just two for me. So first, I want to uh, double down on rooms. So you talked about 90 million rooms out there. Um, I want to get a sense for how many of those do you think are going to be video enabled? What percentage could Zoom take in that market? Is it you know 50% share, 10% share, 25% share? And what's the right way to think about you know more mature pricing? Now, we we know today it's $600 per per room per year, but give us an idea so that we can you know kind of get a sense for what the longer term incremental revenue contribution could be. Sure. So Eric, do you want to just talk about your vision for for rooms, or Eric or Ryan? Because I mean I have my perspective. I think it'd be great to hear from each of you. Yes, sure. So, uh, Alex, and even if, even if you look at the, the today's the size of, uh, you know, comfort rooms, I would say, you know, in the future, there will have more and more, you know, comfort rooms, you know, to support a hybrid work. Today, by and large, most of the comfort rooms are not equipped with uh, video capabilities, right? That's why, you know, I do not know the exact number, but based on, you know, our check with our customers, and many of those customers, their account room is still the traditional account room, right? You know, maybe just a, a projector or something like that, right? I think it's a huge opportunity. Also, not only do we focus on the video, but also we want to build a full stack for the account room, like digital signage, right? Virtual reception list, right? Smart gallery. You know, we want to make sure to offer customer, you know, a, a, a solution. Essentially, more like a account room platform. You know, they can use it for video conferencing. They can use it for digital signage for a lot of other things. Essentially, in the future, to support a hybrid work, every business, they will realize they will need more video-enabled conference rooms. And, Alex, that's exactly what we hear from customers at the end of the day. It's kind of like whatever the market was isn't what it is and what it will be in the future, especially as people really return to office in this hybrid way of working. It's like going into a room without video seems kind of empty. Like, it just doesn't make sense. 
Um, and so customers are really rethinking um, what is a video-enabled room? What does that look like? And, of course, how do we help them do that? And they're very excited around a lot of the technology for, you know, rooms of all sizes, you know, with the hardware partners that we work with, along with things like, you know, SmartView and some of the other things that we're doing to make it really easy um, to be able to, you know, work hybrid just because that's what people are seeing. They're going to be in the rooms, but they also know that people are going to be remote, that are going to be joining those meetings, and how do they make it very effective for them. Yeah, so Alex, if you look at some reports from Frost, they estimate that of those 90 million rooms, about 8% are video enabled today and 25% will be in 2025. I, I kind of agree with the sentiment though you heard from Eric and Ryan, which that seems greatly underestimated to me given the future and what we're moving towards. That a conference room that doesn't have video in it is going to become a storage room. It's not going to be used as people just won't, won't be there, right? And so, um, I think that presents a tremendous opportunity for us ahead. Yeah. Got it. Um, and then I, I want to just ad- address the, the retention dynamics. Uh, you, you broke out a new cohort of customers today, um, and you have now we, – we've got almost three to consider, right? We've got the less than 10, we've got the 11 to 250, and then we've got the 250 and up. Can you talk about the purchasing and retention characteristics, particularly to compare that 11 to 250 – versus that less than 10? Because there was a really good slide about how, you know, only really 25% of the user base uh, is, is kind of most exposed to churn. But if you can assign that 25% between those two cohorts just so we can get a better understanding, I think that would uh, be helpful. Um, the 25% was specifically – I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not mixing up the cohorts versus the channel. It was specific to – um, the on customers that are buying online. So um, most customers greater than like sort of in that 11 to 250 are probably touching a sales rep. Not not all of them because we do have flexibility for them online to go up to a higher number. But the majority of those customers in that segment would be coming through one of our direct sales reps. So they wouldn't they would be in a more retentive category than even that online segment that we showed you. Got it. Okay. Understood. Thank you guys. Okay. Yep. Our next question is from Matt Van Vliet with BTIG. Yeah, thanks for taking the question. Um, great, uh, great work here. Um, maybe a question for Laura and, and maybe Ryan, but um, you, know, you gave us some good stats on the channel. It's now over, I think, 20% contribution. Um, and you also mentioned a 80% plus deal acceptance now with, with registration. I um, wonder if you could help us maybe ultimately kind of where you're seeing that go over the next couple of years in sort of total contribution and where was that deal registration acceptance, um, you know, six months ago or a year ago as you got the program started? Laura, why don't you take the deal reg and I'll take the other part. Sure. Why don't you start, Ryan? Start with the. Sure. I'd say, you know, just high level on a percentage of business, you know, on that piece first. What I can say is that's, you know, well over double what it was, you know, give or take a year and a half ago. And that's despite the tremendous growth that Zoom's gone through. Um, and so, you know, we see that continuing to grow. Now, one thing is Zoom does have a very large brand, um, does have a huge asset there, um, and does have a unique presence and how well it's known and loved. Um, but we do see channel as one of our key investment areas, and we'll expect that to materially go up as we continue forward. And deal reg is just one piece of that, but go ahead, Laura. Yeah, and just to add a little bit what Ryan is saying, I mean, our partner ecosystem is still pretty new. 
if you think about it. I mean, our partnerships like Carl from Lumen, you know, that's still about a year old. Like, I see that there's huge upside for all of these partnerships. We're just starting to get started in the investment piece of it and getting really deep with these relationships, and especially in the international market. Some of them are just less than a year old, most of those relationships. When I talked about over 3,500 partners, if you look just a year ago, we had, like, less than 2,000. Right. So if you think about how much momentum we're having, it's huge on the deal reg acceptance part. If you think about a year ago, we're probably closer to about 60 percent, 50 to 60 percent acceptance rate. And so a large part of that is just around the sales alignment piece. We spent a ton of time with Ryan and the teams around defining what it means to partner in the field with our partners and making sure our AEs are comfortable doing that and, and doing that in the right way. And as you continue to expand the, the platform here, Obviously, video meetings aren't necessarily for, you know, all users, not all users necessarily um, will use a phone um, or an event page. But as you look at, you know, whatever the number four, 450 million business users out across the world, you know, what is the ultimate addressable market that you think you have a product for now? How has that changed, you know, from a year ago? And what's what's sort of the forward looking as you give us those TAM slides? Are you now going to be able to reach sort of that entire ecosystem? Um, Why isn't everyone a video meeting user? <laughs> I think Kelly had the best quote. If, if that room isn't video enabled, it's in the storage room, right? So I think our vision is everyone's going to be using video in meetings. But sorry, go ahead, Kelly. No, that's, I think that's exactly right, Laura. You know, um, if you look at that that TAM that's out there, we we look at very specifically. So we you know said it's, it's growing to 91 billion, and with all of the products in the suite, the, sorry, products and features in our platform today, that's what we can address. And so we're really excited about the opportunity, especially when you look at the continued advancement of the features we announced today, that all of that creates, you know, an opportunity and a market that should be all completely addressable by us at some point. All right, great. Thank you. Our next question is from Matthew Nicknam with Deutsche Bank. Hey, thanks for uh, doing this. Um, so it's more of a conceptual question on phone, uh, maybe for Ryan or Eric. As, as customers migrate from on-prem PBX systems onto Zoom phone, is there any way to tell whether there's some lines that just don't get ported over to the cloud or effectively get canceled, implying that telephony could theoretically be less relevant as customers adopt cloud UCAS collaboration suites? And then I've got one follow-up afterwards. Yeah, Matthew, we do see some of that. And let me be clear, it's very relevant, but, you know, is it relevant for every single user? Um, part of that is the success of Zoom meetings has changed that. If you think about the day that most of us have, we're in a session like this, um, we're doing an interview, we're in other team meetings, and the reality is we're using telephony, but we're using it through the meeting for all of those. Um, and so we will see certain use cases where maybe the footprint, and it's not that they won't need it, it's maybe they don't need their own DID or maybe what version of the product or service they use is a little different, um, but they definitely need Zoom in some way. And it's just kind of finding the optimal mix um, for the customers that we work with. Got it. And then my follow up, maybe for Kelly, um, can you clarify the color you gave earlier in the session on churn, particularly within that uh, sub 10 employee cohort? I think you had said churn remains consistent with expectations thus far in the quarter. I just want to make yeah. sure I got that correct. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what we said was um, when we gave our Q2 guidance, which was, you know, two weeks ago, we um, were looking at the information we had seen based on the behavior, especially in that online segment in Q2. 
And a couple weeks now, in you know, six weeks into Q3, um, we see the behavior is quarter to date is consistent with the assumptions and thus the guidance that we gave. Perfect. Thanks again. Yeah. Our next question is from Boyung Kim with City. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my question. I'm on for Tyler Radke. And just one question for me. Um, I thought it was interesting that you called out around 60% of customers with um, over a million dollars in ARR actually don't belong in the global 2000, or at least a large chunk of that, that customer base. Um, you know, how much of that is a function of those customers being farther along in their multi-product adoption? And, and what's driving that? And if you could also talk about the flip side of that, you know, why are those uh, mega enterprises in the global 2000 kind of understanding their potential? And what, what does it take for them to catch up to the, the smaller customers? Um, Ryan, do you want to talk about the global 2K? Yeah, I think you'll see different. In, sometimes those are industry use cases um, where there's you know specific value within an industry. Um, or sometimes, honestly, more innovative companies that can move faster at the end of the day is one of the pieces. Um, decision-making tends to be less layered. Um, when they see something that's working and good, they could take action faster. That's probably the main piece. Um, the larger companies get there, but they kind of get there over time. Um, they're very successful, but they're also, you know, they have their processes, their systems, their previous providers and existing things. And so there's a level of kind of, you know, building that case and also a level of, you know, having them shift off some of the existing services that they're using. Thank you. Yeah, I also think that if you have to look at the international versus U.S. split, right, approximately 30% of our revenue still um, are associated in versus coming from 60% coming from North America and the Americas. And so thinking about the opportunity to continue to expand internationally will also allow us, enable us to capture more of that global 2K. Thank you very much. Thank you both. And our next question is from Ryan Koontz with Needham. Hi, Ryan. Great. Thanks for my question. Uh, some exciting announcements today on uh, events. And uh sounds like you really t- started taking a turnkey approach with the initial launch. You know, how does kind of turnkey compare to an ecosystem approach to going after this market? You know, we've seen that as you go after larger and larger events, it gets exponentially more complex. How should we think about the, the events product going forward and, and what sort of scale are you aiming for? Thank you. Sure. I'll take that. Let's do one anywhere. Yeah, great. Um, you know, think, I mean, I think like Zoom phone, like you start somewhere and then look where it is today. And we're confident to go against anyone in the world with any type of, you know, phone or UC product and think we have the best product, service, and value. I would think somewhat similar for events. Now, events come in different shapes and sizes, and there's a variety of partners just like we use in the other parts of our business where we'll, you know, at times rely on other partners and ecosystems to do different parts of the product or service we're offering to the customer. Um, but our vision is large and our desire is large, and there's a big opportunity um, and really a big need out there in the market today that we're looking to capture. Great. Really exciting. Thanks for the question. Yeah, just a quick comment. I think sure. – uh, you know, our goal is very simple. We will build and offer the customers the best events platform, period. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you, Ryan. And that was our final question of the day.
I'll turn it back over to you, Kelly. Okay. Thank you, Matt. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us in our Analyst and Investor Day today. We really appreciate it. Special thanks to all of our panelists and, of course, Ryan, Laura, Eric, Oded, um, and Graham for joining today. We really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the sessions. Bye, everybody.